Welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire, powered by ShirtAgency.com. Get ready to take a trip inside the apparel industry for the best tips, tricks, and interviews. And now, here's your host, Cole Lundstrom. Hello, and welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. This week, we have Ryan Moore. This time, he is going to talk to us about Allmade, his exciting new project. Ryan, tell us a little bit about what's going on. Hey, what's up, man? Um, it's it's interesting because as a screen printer, starting out as a screen printer, then working with hundreds, thousands of screen printers, education, I, first of all, never never liked the traditional boxy T-shirt. And I, I heard a couple of the, the CEOs and founders on your podcast from, from Bella and then from Alternative and how they're transitioned this marketplace from these just boxy carded cotton T-shirts to what is now, you know, more of a fashion you know, forward t-shirt and the, the t-shirt always interests me in the fact that we could, we could choose different t-shirts to make better screen prints was really interesting. And, and as you know, through the recession and through our education program started to take, take really hold, we really wanted to focus on educating people on, Hey, you can actually make a better quality screen print by just choosing a better quality shirt. But it was all about like, I think as a screen printer, you, you make, this shirt, which is a blank canvas, come alive. And I never really understood or even asked the questions of how is this blank canvas made? What goes into it? What's it made out of? Where is it made? Who makes it? And it's all about the print, all about making this awesome thing once it's decorated, once it's printed, but not really understanding what goes behind it. So we wanted to always get into the t-shirt game. I mean, it, it makes logical sense for us long term to supply you know, along with ink, supply a t-shirt. And we, I knew we wanted to make a better t-shirt, but I never knew kind of how it would come about. Well, you're talking about you're, making it better. What is it that you dislike about the, the current industry standards that you're hoping to improve? So coming in from it, not knowing anything about how t-shirts made it, we, we helped American Apparel start their, their textile printing facility. So I think that was in 2009 or 2010. So pretty familiar with how American Apparel did things. And Loved that brand, loved how they made a shirt, loved the the facility that they made it in, how they treated their workers, how they paid their workers more on a, a per click scale that they can earn a lot more money if they're more efficient. Um, they had healthcare right in house. So I loved it. But then the whole thing just fell apart. And, you know, making a better T-shirt, once again, kind of focusing on just making a better T-shirt. How could you market it better? How could you you know, cut it better. Well, how could you make it more consistent? How can you make it out of better quality fabrics? And about a year ago uh, at the ISS show in 2016, right after I had talked to my sales team about the impact that, that our company has, the impact that they could have that, that very day at this trade show where they're going to meet new screen printers or current screen printers and help them literally transform their business, make their dreams happen, start companies, build companies, hire people, pay for their kids to go to school and how, what a big impact that has in their life. Um, it was, it was really interesting that at the end of the day, this guy comes up to me from the global orphan project, which is a nonprofit that serves orphans throughout the world. And, and he gives me this t-shirt and he says, Hey man, we make these to support orphans or to prevent orphans or something along those lines in Haiti. It was a pretty good quality shirt to begin with. Um, and then he asked, like, would you guys be interested in learning how you could help us do that? And I, I said, yeah, I'd be interested in learning. 
obviously, you know, so through the, the last 16 months, 15 months, it's just been a complete education process of, whoa, that's, that's how they make it. You know, well, that's where they make it. Oh, that's how much they pay people to make it. Oh, that's what it's made from. And it's all the questions that I think the majority of screen printers, at least the ones that I've interacted with, and then coming from the, the screen printer had no clue about, you know, the fab all the way down from where the fabrics, you know, where the cotton's grown, how the cotton's grown and to, you know, where it's sewn and how far it travels to get to its final destination. So speaking of the fabric, where, uh, where are you sourcing the fabric from? Is it U.S. cotton? So we we decided that was one of the first hangups that we we had because the concept of the Global Orphan Project they're they're like they want to create jobs to give the orphan the possibility to have work. They're doing it in Haiti because Haiti is about ninety percent unemployment of good paying jobs, fifty at least fifty percent unemployment of just normal work. And normal work down there is not great because your average Haitian lives on $2 a day. So it's, you know, they wanted to create a good quality job that's paying five, six times that. Um, or in this case, we're paying, a, I think, $15 a day. Um, so it's many, many times the, the average, what somebody average is living on. And to do that, they needed to increase their volume. So they came to us and they're like, could you help us create a product that is is a higher volume commoditized product for the industry and you know so we were like yeah that sounds great you're you're paying people great your 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 facility sounds awesome i've seen pictures of it seen videos of it where are you getting fabric from and they're like somewhere in india and so well what's that facility look like what about <laughs> the people that are growing you know what about the people that are growing it and they're like i don't know we're just getting it from india and, and feels good looks good and then we're like hold on like we can't we couldn't like do part of the process good while doing the rest of the process maybe we don't know you know and so we started asking more questions and at that point in time we actually put the project on hold because we, we realized that we didn't really know and in order for us to like get into it we, we would have to find this information out so three or four months later they were the Global Orphan Project also has domestic op, uh, operations where they provide screen printing facility in Kansas City that gives people living wage jobs, taking them out of the criminal justice system or off the street if they're homeless and training them in, in job skills. And they have a screen printing facility that does that and then also using their own T-shirts that they make in Haiti. So it's kind of a full cycle. And they they were looking at getting a screen printing press and they were looking at a couple different brands and Rock was one of them. And so through the course of this whole next transition of their business, you know, I basically committed to them, hey, if you partner with us, I will really take a much harder look at partnering with you. And kind of the decision point on my end is that they say, well, great, because we found this U.S. manufacturing source that we use U.S. fabrics now. And I'm like, whoa, OK, like you can meet them. But if uh, if you partner with us. We, you need to come down and see what we do. You need to see the factories in the Carolinas and you need to see what we do in Haiti. And it was a pretty, pretty big commitment um, for them. So I thought, you know, it would be advantageous for this partnership that if I, I said you commit to us, we'll commit to you and I'll go, you know, experience this and see, you know, give it a real worthwhile shot. And that was in August of last year. And it completely changed my perception of everything and really helped kick you know was the catalyst that kicked what all made is today 
or just would you know not not that it's anything because we're just starting but you know how it got to this point at least i'd love to hear about haiti what uh what's it like i really don't know much about the country at all we went on this trip in august first of all i asked him because i'm gone i travel a lot a lot of trade shows see customers all over the country uh, and it's pretty taxing on your family and i knew that this was if this venture was going to be worthwhile i'd probably be traveling more and then you know it's a at least a week you know, gone in Haiti. So I asked, uh, Hey, could I bring my family along? And they, they said, Hey, we've never been asked that before. <laughs> how, you know, how are you? My kids are set. We're at seven, seven year old twins. We have a three year old, but we didn't want to take him. He doesn't travel that good. So seven year old twins and then my wife and they said, you know, it's, we've never done this, but we'll, we'll make it happen. So we started out in the Carolinas we flew into Atlanta, drove to Gaffney, South Carolina, where we met with Carolina Cotton Works and saw their their facility and how they source the fabric, the fabrics that they make um, using recycled polyesters and U.S. cotton, you know, fully run family facility, paying their people well, reusing a lot of the energy and the water, um, using all non-impact dyes. So they're they're doing things at, at a very high level, and I was extremely impressed of like how you know, you start to ask these questions on like dye migration and how they could literally change the formula or change the way that shirt is set to, to prevent dye migration as a screen printer. And then they started talking about singles and 30s and 40s and weights. And I was like so out of my element from the fabric perspective. I just kind of sit there and like nodded. I'm like, OK, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But it started this conversation of how it's how the fabric is made and then sourcing it and we could talk a little bit more about that later, but it was so interesting. And as a screen printer, you know, knowing every single thread and how the thread is made and, and how it's put together and woven together and then it's how it's dyed is extremely interesting. Um, so the the Haiti experience, however, we, we got to Haiti. We, we chose to fly on the, the day that Delta had their outage last summer. So it was just our flight was delayed massively and so we got there late at night and you fly in over Port-au-Prince and Port-au-Prince Haiti has about 9 million people 10 million people in it and Port-au-Prince has almost 4 million in that area very little electricity but you see just all these fires burning and they burn all their trash there so you, you land and it smells like burning trash so you know immediately from the airport just going through the airport you're supposed to just plow through because everyone wants to help you. They want to try to take your bags and you're just like, go, go, go. You know, they, they speak Creole. So very similar to French, no mercy. You know, you say no, thank you. And just, just go. So we finally got to our handlers and our, our security team and they grabbed us and we went to a hotel. Wait, a security team. What did you actually have guards? Yeah. So took a couple of pictures of the, the team that we work with down there. They have, they have a full security team that works with the nonprofit because it is, I don't think it's that dangerous per se, but it can be dangerous if something bad happens. You know, if, if there's a, you know, a, something bad from the government happens, political or un, a disaster, it can be extremely, it can turn from like safe. It seems relatively safe to really nasty in just a matter of minutes. So they, they have every single time I've been down there has been with a team, um, there's a team that, that stays at the complex and there's a guy that travels with us and the guy that spent most of the time, his name is Mac. Super awesome 
guy buff, you know, you can tell he's, they, they go to quite a bit of training, um, to, to go through this process to become, you know, a certified security agent essentially. So you feel pretty safe. And, uh, it was really important for them, obviously, cause my, that my wife and kids were with, with us, that we had a good team with us. So, but I mean, you see pictures of a third world country. Haiti's definitely a third world country. It's the poorest on the Western hemisphere. And I think one of the poorest in the world, I'm not sure where it actually ranks, but it's crazy. I mean, you, you go just every, from like how much garbage and, and trash there is everywhere to, you know, the, where people live. Um, the, the one thing that you can't really say, I, I've, I haven't said, I'm sure there are very hungry people in Haiti is that they're, they're starving. They're not really starving because we, there's so much aid that the U S gives them. They just ship in bags of white rice and, you know, so people have food. It's not the best food. It's not, it's not like nutrients food. Um, so you can tell like there's, you know, the little black girls running around and they have red hair and it's like, why do you have red hair? It's because they're not getting the nutrients they need to have the, the black hair, you know, that they should have. Oh, wow. That's and, terrible. And so I think in, in there, what I've learned is there's two things that have really just because we're the, the food and the clothing is there's so much donation donation. And you know, we literally ship half the stuff that you see there is, I mean, you see like, championship shirts of teams that never won because they all go to Haiti, right? Not all of them, but a lot, a lot of them. And it's like the Walmart death bin, but it's twice the price that you would buy it at Walmart for. And yet these, you know, the, the Haitians are living on one hundredth of what we live on. It's just not, it's not fair. It's crazy, but they get clothes, they get food. It's just not the best. What they really lack is, good medical care and schooling. So happens when people have kids, lots of kids, because there's not really good birth control, um, is that their, their kid might get sick or their kid gets to the age of school and they just don't have the money to do either of those. So they literally like just give them up, abandon them and hope that a orphan, an orphanage will pick them up. And 90% of the, over half a million orphans there are, quote-unquote, orphans there are in Haiti have fa- families that could take care of them if they could take care of them. Um, and so it's partly systematic because there's sides of the fence on both sides where you have nonprofits from the U.S. and other countries that are you know, giving money, sponsoring children, and then you have people taking advantage of that. They're literally getting paid per head, kind of like our foster care system, you know, supported through these nonprofit agencies. And... They're giving these kids food and education and clothing. And then at the age of 18, the government's like, it's highly regulated because there's been so much corruption throughout this, like with child trafficking and stuff. So like they put walls around these orphanages. They don't let people in after dark. And at 18, you're out. You cannot be in anymore. So you've got schooling up to 18 and then you're back on the street. And what are you going to do when there's 90% unemployment? So it's this vicious kind of cycle and the Global Orphan Project, they're they're transitioning their whole mission from orphan care to orphan prevention. So they start training at the age of 16 in one of three viable industries, diesel mechanics, because the entire country is run off diesel, agriculture, because there's a vast need for 
you know, farming and food there that is good, locally grown organic food, and then t-shirt selling, which is one of the biggest industries in Haiti, but not doing it in a way where you're paying them as little as possible, but in a way where you're paying them as most as possible. And so we, we give the, the kids the first shot at the job when we're creating jobs. We give them the first shot at the job and instead of like literally waiting at the back of the line and never getting a job because you have 20 years of sewing experience, you know, that's waiting ahead of you. How does it work now with Allmade? Is Allmade going to be owned by the Global Orphan Project or is this this like a for-profit company with a with a good heart? How exactly did you structure that? That's a good question. We didn't I didn't know how it would be structured until like going on this first trip. Because starting a t-shirt company is extremely, extremely expensive. I mean, low margins, high overhead, long manufacturing cycles, tons of variables. You know, I think, I don't know, the the Bella Canvas guy, he mentioned how, how many t-shirts they stock. And it's like 60, 80 million or something like that. It's like, wow, that would cost so much money to develop and build. But through this experience of being there, and being at the facility, which is called Life. So the Global Orphan Project, when they kind of had this le- revelation of we need to stop caring and we need to start preventing, they invested in this facility called Life. And Life stands for Love is Forever. Forever. And Life was started by two individuals, Paula Cole, who is um, was the wife of one of the largest T-shirt manufacturers there. They were selling two million shirts for Hanes a week still have 2,500 employees. So huge manufacturing facility. And then the guy that ran that facility, Jeff, they just got sick of it. They're like, this is this. I mean, Paula started to take after the earthquake, she started taking all the t-shirt scraps out of the bins and started making, getting moms from the communities that couldn't support their kids and started making hand woven bags and stuff out of t-shirt scraps because she wanted to give them work. And then Jeff saw what she was doing. He's like, man, I could do that. And I'm sick of like, paying people nothing and seeing them sew hems, you know, or sleeves for 25 years. And they started this place where they're paying people better, treating them better, you know, giving them proper, you know, care and attention and and a place to work and dignify work that they don't, they're able to transition themselves. They don't get stuck doing one thing for their entire life. So they saw this, they met these, these, this, um, team that was starting this and they invested and kind of transformed their business model. And I think that was about three years ago that they started this. So they have about a hundred employees that are working there right now in life. And that's where we contract to sew. It's a, a full living wage facility, mostly owned by the nonprofit and with, with ownership with Jeff and Paula. Paula is strategic in the relationship because Haiti's ran by about eight families. And in order to get stuff in and out of the ports, you have to have connections so even though she's divorced now, she's still in with the patriarch of the fam- family and she's still able to, to use those connections for us to you know, do a viable business down there. The company of Allmade is a division of Ryanet. It is a for-profit, but it is for purpose. So the main, the main goal is to use sustainable fabrics and do it in a way where we're giving people the most money back or actually changing the lives of the people that we're hiring and so we're starting in Haiti. We could eventually expand into different areas of the world, but Haiti's very strategic in the fact that it's extremely close to the U.S., but also is the the 
country with the most need that is being taken care of, uh, taken the most advantage of right now in the apparel industry. And it's not the fault of the apparel manufacturers. You know, I saw, I was reading an article that it was entitled, would a $5 a day minimum wage um, be better for the Haitian worker? And so the article basically explained that like, comp- if, if Haiti were to pass a law that said you had to pay people $5 a day, most of the companies would just go, they just leave because it's cheaper to do it. It's not, it's more expensive for labor in Guatemala and Nicaragua and um, Honduras, but the infrastructure is so much stronger that it's less risky and uh, less expensive for security, less expensive for electricity, and they would just leave. So they've keep kept these wages so low which does provide jobs, but it doesn't provide very good jobs. What should we expect as far as like the style and the feel of these garments? Since I'm guessing you guys are going to go pretty premium, right? It's going to be a high end um, t-shirt. Yeah, we started out with like, we wanted to make a good shirt to begin with, obviously, but the connection of life and the very, very important, I, I was up the entire first night I was down there in Haiti. I was like thinking, thinking life, life. Like, how do we do this? How do we do? And the idea of print life just popped into my head because the connection of screen printing to the T-shirt is huge. And so starting with screen printers was through the rest of the trip, kind of the concept that we landed on. We're going to start with a very small number of customers, starting with 10 and expanding literally one by one after that. And we're going to involve that customer in the entire process from the fabric choice up, how it's made, how it's cut, how it's priced, um, how it's distributed, the colors that we choose. And it is a, it is a premium, uh, product. It is a good, but it is a heavier weight that we chose. We are using all us fabrics. We ended up through the course of fabric selection using all our tribal ends, all recycled polyester, same polyester that uh, Patagonia uses. It's organic cotton because we wanted to found out that like cotton is actually one of the most polluting fashion is the, the second most polluting industry in the world behind oil. So cotton is extremely hard on the environment to grow, uses a ton of pesticides, a ton of herbicides. So that if we can make as much, you know, little impact in the cotton part as possible. So we chose organic cotton and we're using modal, which is the second generation of the cellulose fiber. Uh, rayon is the first and it's made mainly of bamboo. Modal is made out of birch trees, which is softer and easier to process. Also creates a more flexible, softer fiber with less hair in it. So it's a very smooth tri-blend, and it's a heavier weight tri-blend. Um, it's more in the four, six, four, seven ounce range versus low fours or high threes. And then our cuts are all. And this is, I mean, we've been struggling. We've probably gone through 12 iterations of the cuts through all this feedback and different people trying it on. But it's like if you took a, a carded cotton shirt, the weight and the way it's cut, and you took a, you know, a Bella Camus or a Next Level shirt and they had a baby, you probably end up with an all-med cut because they're they're bigger, they're long, they're a little bit longer, they're a little bit, the sleeves are a little bit longer, um, the necks are a little bit different because they're built to fit the average American, um, not the fashionista. So it's, especially on our larger sizes, we're going for a, a more robust cut, but it's still very fashion forward. Um, and we also are changing our lower sizes to still fit that fashionable market 
And then we have a women's size that fits the fashionable market really, really well. But so our, our cuts a little different. Our necks a little bit different. Our sleeves are a little different. One of our, one of our designers is a huge fan of homage and they, they did a whole line with American apparel, more of American cut. It's very similar to that. If anyone's familiar with the, the homage classics, I think it's called. So it's, but, but it's a, a more, you know, obviously still fashion, but better fit, better fitting for the average American, I would say. Yeah, that's cool. It, it, we constantly have that wonderful struggle with clients uh, being surprised by sizing because things are smaller than they expected. Especially, uh, I remember American Apparels were notorious for being almost a whole size too small, especially for bigger guys. Yeah, when we were doing fashion fitting on 2X and 3X, I was like, dude, <laughs> I can see why you never wear that shirt, you know? I mean, it shows like everything. And then they put on our shirt and they're like, I love this. This is the best. This is why I don't wear like the shirts that you guys give us in class and, and these, you know, at trade shows is like, cause it just, it's too tight. It's too small. It's not thick enough. And that's, it was really cool to see that. It'll be interesting to see them. So you were talking about the early adopter and you basically founded this with like 10 print shops, correct? The first part of the whole process was finding 10 to 12 shops to kind of go, People that, you know, are in different niches, extremely important women owned businesses, men, um, obviously big businesses, small businesses, manual printers, automatic printers, um, craftsmen and kind of people that are just can provide a, a much different level of um, support and then also very high levels of commitments of using the garments. So con- a shop that does a lot of contract printing wouldn't be a great founder because they're not actually having the say in hey, you guys have to use this shirt. They're just given, they're, they're given the shirts to print. So it was good. We, we settled on 12, but we ended up with 10. Um, the 11th, uh, 11th and 12th people are still involved, but they just didn't end up, you know, kind of as the initial set. So those, those are what we, we call our, our founding shops. And then we have, we're looking for our next set of customers, which are essentially we call early adopters, people that are they're finding out about this and wanting to have access to this product or wanting to support the the project. And we're we're looking at adding those customers as we have inventory that builds. Are people becoming early adopters exclusively through the Indiegogo campaign right now? Or are you seeking people out directly? So we're in the process of making about 180,000 shirts right now and have hired almost 40 people. So two lines, there's 18 people per line plus some management to help support that um, to do that. And so if we can, you know, sell more T-shirts or buy more T-shirts, buy more fabric, we can make more shirts, create more jobs. So it was kind of the idea of like, let's crowdfund that, at least a part of that. It looks like we'll probably only end up crowdfunding about 20% of it. But it does does help out you know, tremendously. And one of the things that we came up with is the early adopter program. So we're like, how can somebody who wants access to this inventory, like that's the number one question that we've gotten so far. Like, when can I get this? How do I buy this? You know, so we came up with this program that basically says we're pre-selling positions. Uh, the position, the early adopter program, 500 bucks, and you get your first case of shirts with it. You also get a literally a spot in line. You get turned on and you have access to the online product line at wholesale. It's going to be available retail from day one, but at wholesale, um, only very select number of people. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. Shirt Agency did it. Um, 
because I feel like this is going to be like a perfect match for us. We always have people looking for like a premium product that they can be proud to sell. And so when I heard about this, I was like, yes, finally. What what was your perception? How did you hear about it? What was your perception of the, the campaign video? Uh, so the campaign video turned out great. It was, um, that was not my first time hearing about it. I think I heard rumors of it probably a little before ISS. And then at ISS, there was a little bit more buzz about it. You even talked about it for a second with me. And then um, once you guys launched the campaign, I w- jumped on the early adopter thing really fast because more than anything, I want to be able to push a product that without a doubt is um, something to be proud of. And sometimes there's gray areas. So a company that's starting from day one with that mission is just really intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I saw that. and I, it was, I remember talking to you about it at the show. And you were asking, like, how do we get involved? And at that point in time, we didn't even have this early adopter program, you know, kind of set up. So it was awesome to see. I think what num- what number did you get? I don't know, like two or three. Yeah, you were, I think you're number 12 or 13 um, total number of customers. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, it was awesome to see that come through. So the Indiegogo campaign would be where you kind of can sign up for that. Now that will be how we probably go to market with for like at least the first two years. Yeah. I think we'll keep the campaign open. Um, or you can probably get an early adopter through the website, but right now it's all through the campaign. So what do you think, uh, will be the timeline for availability either on the retail side or the early adopter side? So right now we're selling once again, 200,000, almost 200,000 shirts. Uh, it's the the program, the early adopter program has been awesome because I think we're over 40 customers now. It gives us a lot more confidence to support uh, more inventory. We met with the uh, International Development Bank uh, to help maybe possibly fund more of that inventory. So we're able to get a lot more aggressive than we were even two months ago before the Indiegogo campaign started, which has been awesome. So Life is kind of at capacity with where they're at right now. So one of the things that that the country is working on, we're working with crafts, um, Caribbean crafts and life and all made to start up this micro manufacturing park, kind of a high, high end solar powered place in Haiti that that creates this living wage because it's really contentious. I mean, you have to be careful about how you hire because it can create mass disruption in the marketplace. So they're creating a special park, um, both for the energy purposes and then also just to, to be kind of segmented away from the normal manufacturing places that are right now. So it kind of differentiates us physically too. And, um, that'll give us a lot more capacity to so, so hopefully early adopters, uh, will start adding them this summer. Uh, full on inventory should be in July and then, should be full full fledged by the end of the year where you know if you're getting early getting the early adopter program now um, you should be hopefully get turned on by the end of either the end of the year or the beginning of the 2018 so since you are going premium and you are paying people five times more than everyone else uh, in that country what are you expecting your price point to be uh, is it going to be competitive with with like a a Bella canvas blank or what are you looking to do there? Yeah. Two things that have been the most contentious with our, our founding partners is price and then branding with our tribal and fabric. The way we're getting our price 
down and is basically we're cutting one level of distribution out. So most shirts are you make it and then you distribute it to a wholesaler and then you and then the screen printer or the broker buys it. So we're going, we make it and we go directly to the wholesaler market. So we don't work with a distributor and that, that cuts out 30, 40 percentage points that we can pay more to make it through better quality fabrics and better wages. So we're paying, um, 70 cents per unit to sew it, which is really high. You know, it's almost what you would pay, you know, a good contract house in the U S or Canada to do it. Um, but you know, it's worth it because it gives so much, so much more back to the, you know, back to the country that, that is making it. And all the profits that the life makes is goes back into orphan care and orphan prevention. So it just kind of like, it kind of just goes in an awesome circle versus a vicious circle. The um, fabric, though, is 70% of what the shirt is costed at is fabric. And U.S. fabric is extremely expensive, especially U.S. cotton. And it is so tempting. It was always so tempting to try. Even our – I just talked to him the other day. I talked to him about price because price is obviously our, our cotton sources. They're like, I can save you so much if you just go import. And like, we don't want to go import. We're not going to go import, you know. Because import just takes out so much control of it. One of the things that cotton is such a devastating industry because it uses the most pesticides in the world. It uses the second most herbicides in the world. And the good thing about doing it here is that it's so regulated um, and it's, you know, we use such high-end equipment that it's so much less environmentally impactful. Wow. In India, Pakistan, other big cotton growers, literally they, they can be hand-spraying this stuff. And it's going – they're using way too much of it. They're using way lower quality and it's going into their food supply, water supply, giving their kids cancer, tumors. I mean it can – you can just research it online. You'll, you'll find like pictures that you don't even want to see. You know, um, So that's one of the reasons why we felt so passionate about using U.S. fabrics. So we are using organic in our tri-blend but we're using just domestic industrial for our cotton. And even though the the – other fabric is less expensive. Yeah, I think that's still a manageable amount, though. It's not a, a terrifying price jump. Um, like some of the U.S. manufacturers who are doing a really great job, they can get price points that are easily double someone like a Bella Canvas. So your sounds a lot more manageable just from a selling standpoint. Yeah, and, and the thing about U.S. manufacturing is like made in the USA, if you really look into it, most of the made in USA shirts are not made out of U.S. fabrics. You still have to look in, look in behind it. Our shirts not made in the USA. We're making it in Haiti, but the majority of our shirts made in the USA, 70% of it. That's awesome. So on another note, uh, real quick, could you tell me a little bit about what's going on with, uh, powering the press? I noticed that you got, you're one of the speakers there this year. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool event, uh, in May, I think the 20th and 21st. It's over a weekend in Long Beach, California. And a guy named Ross Hunter and his, his partner at Reviation Industries kind of had this vision, putting this business-focused event on that helps screen printers step out behind the press and learn more about the business side, marketing, um, pricing, selling, culture building a company. And so we put this whole thing together, and I think it's going to be pretty cool. I think uh, it's getting some good traction. Um, I don't think there's anything – been anything like this. I mean, there, there's tons of stuff like this for other industries, but not for screen printing. So I hope you can be a part of it. 
sounds uh, sounds like you were open to talking about podcasts or Instagram. Oh yeah, I I don't know yet, but it's uh, I it's funny because I literally almost bought a ticket this week, and then I got that email, and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll wait for the ticket for a second. <laughs> yeah. Tell us once again where we can find uh, the All Made Indiegogo. So either go to allmade.com, which is the website. Uh, the name came about just by the way. We we really struggled on a name, All Made, because we kind of can all make a difference together. Um, so either go to allmade.com or just Google Indiegogo All Made, and the campaign goes till the the 14th of April. But once again, there's ways to get involved after that. There's no. There's no boundaries. I mean, people ask like, how can I, how can I get in on this? Like, I'm just like, just get in on it. Like if you're passionate about it, just get in on it. It's like you did, like, just do it. You know, like you can come to Haiti with us, go to, go to the Carolinas with us, start researching this on your own because this is, this is how change happens is through education. That's, that's all you have to do. Just start. Well, that concludes this episode of building your t-shirt empire. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Ryan for, giving up a little bit of his time to talk about All Made. I think it's going to be a really fantastic company, and it's going to be fascinating to watch it evolve this year. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good week. Bye.